party started. This is Ghetto. Broadcasting live from the studios of AM570. It's on a website. This is FNA. I am a god. Now what? Why don't you get out of that jumpsuit and let me smack that fat ass? <laughs> That's a scary crew. As far as the product goes, uh, the voice of a new generation, man. You guys are the young guys. Are really at the top of their games. The two of them had something in common. We bring you Radio Ecstasy. Oh, it's beautiful. Broadcasting live from the studios of AM570. FNA. FNA. Let it happen. This is the FNA Podcast. It's the FNA Podcast on a Monday. I am not here to get my ass beat on Monday. With myself, Adam Asmus. Adam Ashland. Or that. Ryan Oslin. Or that. Adam Asmus. And the great Kim Figures. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'll wake you up on a Monday. Yeah, won't it? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys for joining us, as you always do on a Monday. We appreciate it. Coming off of another big uh, NFL weekend. Over the weekend, you stupid bitches. Appreciate it. Over the weekend, you stupid bitch. Got some voicemails to get to today with an opportunity to win Spider-Man. If there's one good enough today, we'll give it away today. I just thought last week was lacking in the voicemail department. Not that they were bad. It just but they great. just weren't good enough. Is that what it is? Giving away a sixty dollar game here, okay? You rich motherfucker. Second down to nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nine four nine four seven eight eleven ninety seven. One more time. Nine four nine four seven eight eleven ninety seven. So call and leave a voicemail. And if we do not have a call that's deemed worthy today, you can call on Thursday or leave a call for Thursday's show. Yeah. And have a chance to win then. That's the talk is hotline number. You want to talk some shit? We do have a big show today. On the back end of the show, because it's a Monday, we're doing a little bit of geek news in here. Yes, science! And we're going to talk about a Mario game that has a big anniversary coming up tomorrow. It's one of the craziest, wackiest, misunderstood, and overlooked Mario games ever. Please and don't tell me it's Mario about Golf. Why. It's not Mario Golf. Because that game sucked. It's not the one on the Virtual Boy. <laughs> well, that that's the one that made people go blind or something, right? Yeah. The one that was all red and got people's eyes all messed up. They got blinded. Yeah. <laughs> but there were a few Mario games on it. I think that thing only lasted a year, and they made about 30 games total for the Virtual Boy, which was, was supposed to be next-level gaming, but it didn't work out that way. Uh, this is a Mario game that was on the original NES. Okay. All right, but, but wasn't as popular as no. the Super Mario Worlds and wasn't Mario wasn't as popular as Mario sixty four okay. or Super Mario World or even Super Mario World two Yoshi's Island mm-hmm. or anything like that. Okay, but we'll talk about it. We'll tell you how it came about to being one of the stranger Mario games of all time. It all makes sense when you look through the history of Mario. Plus, we have some great sound from the Mario TV show. That includes, yes. You have to use so many cuss words. A swear word. A swear a word in a Mario show, game. A children's TV show about Mario that somebody had to pop off. And it wasn't Bowser. It wasn't the villain. It was the queen, wasn't it? Or the princess. It wasn't Princess, the princess Peach. with a dirty mouth. No. <laughs> to wash more, it out. More ways than one. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Whole binders full of, uh, of women. Act all cute and innocent. I know you. Peach. Don McClain did call her a hoe one time. <laughs> Why would Don McClain say that about such a delicate flower? 
I forget. She I never had I, any romantic, like direct romantic ties to anybody directly on the show, did she? I never, or the video games. Uh, I remember her kissing anybody or like. Whoever came to the castle to save her, they would just, get busy afterwards, I guess. just assume that they were just going to get it in, right? <laughs> it could be Mario. It could be Luigi. Who knows what Toad was up to? Toad, yeah. I think Toad was in the friend zone, though. Mm. That's yeah. what it seemed, seemed like, like to me. Right? Yeah. He was waiting on her hand and foot <laughs> the entire time, waiting. throwing his coat down in the mud when she'd walk over it. Right. Wait but he never she, got that. Wait until she gets old and frustrated with all these mean guys and she's all, you know. Yeah. yeah. Nice guys finish last. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Toad. Sorry, Toad. Baby. I'm sorry. <laughs> so we'll talk about Mario coming up in your video game fact of the week in Geek News. Since it is Monday, of course, we have our NFL six pack. So let's do it. Best win, worst loss, mm. moral victory, moral defeat, biggest surprise, and uh, our epic fail. And the epic fail, by the way, started off talking about the woes of a kicker. Oh. And I'll just give you a preview and say that my epic fail has to do with woes of kickers. There's a lot of that going around. Oh, yeah, there is. <laughs> so we'll get to that a little bit later. Okay. Do you have a uh, best win, Adam? I'll go best win. You win. And it goes to my Panthers. We haven't uh, talked about my Panthers a lot this season. They haven't won, but when they win, they're Adams Panthers. That's how it works. They were two and one. Oh. Now they're three and one. Uh-huh. After the spirit of John Casey entered Graham Gano's right leg yesterday, which made it almost as big as his third leg. Because when you hit a sixty-three yarder to uh, you win have some a game, insider knowledge that we don't. <laughs> well, you just have to have a big D in order to get all that momentum oh, and the power to kick the ball that far in the clutch. Copy. And Graham has all the D for a moment like that. I also like to picture his wrecking ball swinging back and forth and getting tangled up in a spinning motion like those aerial silk dancers. Because you got to have big balls to help you drive the ball 63 yards. I can't say I can get with you on that visualization. <laughs> These nuts. I like to just say, hey, the guy made a hell of a kick, a his- historic kick, second longest in history. Did you know this, though? Graham Gonads Gano. Hasn't missed a field goal in Charlotte in two years now. Correct. I saw that. And this kick was four yards longer than any kick he had made in his nine years as a pro. He's only 19 of 33 from uh, for his career from kicks of 50 yards or more, which is 57%. That's not bad, but this was 63 yards. And it's actually a kick that he had tried four years ago in 2014 in a game they were down, I think, 19-17 to 17 to Atlanta. He missed that one, totally redeems himself yesterday by making it. And this was in Charlotte. We're not talking about some weak-ass thin air in Denver, which enabled Seabass to kick that 63-yarder a few years back, which was a meaningless field goal anyways before the half. Meaningless game, too, because... They've all been that for the Raiders since Dexter Jackson in 2003. I don't know if I like you taking the significant. It doesn't matter if they're losing by 50. He still made the kick. Thin air. There's no such thing as a meaningless kick. <laughs> meaningless touchdowns, yes. Meaningless record-breaking kick, no. We were in field goal range. The longest field goal kick in NFL history is a 64-yarder. Do you know who kicked that one in 2013, Kevin? Pop quiz, hot shot. Um, was it not Seabass? Not Seabass. He kicked a 63. There are multiple guys tied for a 63-yarder, including Tom Dempsey right. and his brick right. for a foot. Right. Asterisk. Jason Elam, 
Seabass, David Akers, and um, now Graham Ganell. But one guy has the 64 yard. He did it in 2013. 2013. I feel like this went underreported. Well, it wasn't Jason Elam because he retired by then. Right. Uh, and he ended with Atlanta, right? He might have. I don't remember. Okay. Matt Is that Matt Bryant who's still kicking for Atlanta and is like 50 years old? Not Matt Bryant, but he still has a pretty big leg. He does. Must have a big D. Mm-hmm. You got me. Matt Prater. Okay. The Denver also a big kicker. Leg. Yeah. So he kicked it in Denver 64 yards. Is he in Detroit now? Is he still kicking? Is Matt Prater still floating around somewhere? Is that Detroit? Yeah. <laughs> he should be with all the other bad kickers oh, out there. God. Right. Uh, Cam Newton, by the way, said this after the game because he didn't play very well. Why is a woman asking about routes? Is that what he said? <laughs> no. Oh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> he said, quote, a wise man once told me great quarterbacks are only as good as their kicker. Looking at you, Tom Brady. Yeah. <clears throat> what? Was, was that Tom? Oh, did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. My bad. All that help from Adam Vinatieri in yeah. Super Bowls. Yeah. <laughs> so there was my best win going to the Carolina Panthers. A little bit of bias there. Okay. Prater is still in Detroit, by the way. Okay. So we'll give you that. Good call. Since you're talking about that game, my moral victory went to the New York Giants, which actually woke up for once. Oh, to be honest. Win. And they were down. They were down in this game. They had first forced a giant comeback. Odell Beckham did his little interview with Lil Wayne for some reason. I'm still not sure what that whole thing was all about. Because just, the Carter 5 came out? He just teed off. What does that have to do with Odell Beckham? I have no <laughs> idea what that has to do with Odell Beckham. And know. he goes off uh, for a huge game, throws a touchdown pass to Saquon Barkley, has over 130 yards receiving. Eli Manning, there was good Eli and there was some bad Eli, yeah. namely bad Eli when he threw that one interception down the right sideline. and There was good Cam, bad Cam. And Sterling Shepard looked like he wanted to strangle somebody. <laughs> you know what's bad when Odell Beckham has to calm a teammate down. Odell Beckham was He's trying. playing peacemaker. Yeah, he was trying to like calm down. Rasheed Wallace during the Malice in the Palace. Yeah. It was like, without, in Rasheed's defense, he was like 40 and old at that point. He's like, man, I can't be dealing with this stuff now. Y'all doing too much. Both teams play hard, my man. Odell Beckham's normally the one throwing the temper tantrums on the sideline. He's calming down Sterling Shepard on the sideline, who was frustrated with a bad Eli throw. But he said he's trying to be a leader. He did, which is interesting. To you know, a few days after the, I do like to give uh, some credit to Pat Shermer for saying, like, look, we handled it internally. It's a locker room issue. I'm not going to do it through the media, uh, because a lot, most of the time that doesn't happen, and it blows up and it turns into a giant controversy. So if they say they're going to handle it internally, hopefully it keeps it at that. Because when it gets public, that's when things start getting a little bit nasty. And you have unnamed sources talking to people. They keep it all internal. Things will fix themselves. This won't fix Put itself. Put your name on it. It won't fix itself because Eli Manning still sucks, and he's still too inconsistent. Yeah. Um, but I guess it was a it was good to see the potential of what this offense has when all their weapons come together. Came back down fourteen. They did, and you know if it wasn't was pissed. if it wasn't for your hero with the big leg, oh. the big third leg, as you would say. I can be your hero, baby. One like most kickers this weekend and this season was four for four, made all of his field goals, including the biggest one. At the end of the game, uh, the Giants would have came away with a big comeback win, and they wouldn't have been your Panthers this week, Adam. They just would have been the Panthers. Exactly. So When they that, win, they're yeah. my Panthers. Yeah, so that was my uh, moral victory, the uh, Giants in that game against Carolina. Okay, I like it. I'll go worst loss here. You lose. For me, it's going to the Green Bay Packers and really Mason Crosby, who must have had Bill Cosby put his kicking leg to sleep because it didn't wake up and make a kick until there were two seconds. There was two seconds left in the game. Yesterday, Crosby became the first NFL kicker to miss four field goals and an extra point in the same game since Rolf 
Ben Ersky of the Chargers in 1980 had to be the Chargers. <laughs> yeah, that old you know old Rolf was just never never reliable though, Rolf man. So the Packers left 13 points out there. They lost to the Lions by just eight. It appears the only thing Mason Crosby kicked was the habit of being able to kick. There's even a report out there that he was so frustrated after the game, he went home to kick his dog, but he missed somehow, and his dog was blind in one eye. Mm. Poor Mason went wide right. His foot ended up halfway out the door, which is where he is right now with the Packers. No, he's probably safe. He's still the Packers' career scoring leader and a 12th-year vet, and he made 10 of 11 kicks going into the game. The other one he missed, though, this season was a 52-yarder that would have won it against the Vikings in that game that ended in a tie. Aaron Rodgers tried to console him, put his arm around him late in the game, tried to be a leader out there and comfort the lost Crosby. And he said this post-game, quote, Aaron Rodgers, we have a ton of faith in him. He's done it for a long time, made some big kicks for us over the years. They got to clean up the operation, though. Snap, hold, He's got to make them. <laughs> the funniest thing to me was earlier in the day, Mason Crosby actually tweeted out, it's go time. <laughs> uh, go where? One reply did say, got to go time. Yeah. <laughs> someone else said, shake it off, buddy. We all have bad days. We still believe in you. And then someone replied to that and said, no, we don't. <laughs> that was a brutal. From a kicker who... A brutal day from a kicker who has been pretty good over it's been his career. Fairly reliable. Made big kicks against the Dallas Cowboys in yeah. the playoffs. I remember that. Yeah, he just says he said it was one of those quote anomalies in life. Um, we'll find out. I think it just got between the ears more after your second missed kick, or especially indoors. Like you can't even blame the weather yeah. or anything. He's used to kicking in Lambo. Yeah, it's like so. It's like one of those when you, conditions. You're a golfer and your first couple of drivers are off, and then your whole round is just screwed up by yeah. that point in time. Confidence. That's is likely shot. what happened to him. And this is actually my epic fail. Okay. Going to Mason Crosby, unfortunately. You're a huge embarrassing failure. You are. Now, but hey, look, you mentioned he's been fairly reliable, and it seems like. It seems like one of those anomalous seasons where kickers are missing at a horrible rate or something. Like it's just a contagious. Stupid, it really is. The problem is, it's not. I actually looked at the numbers over the last five years. Ooh. The league averages eighty-four percent made field goals every season. Okay. Right Can now, count, suckers. Through five weeks of the NFL season, kickers are making. 84% of their field goals. Now It's right in line. Does that include extra points or just field goals? I'm talking about field goals specifically. Okay. And extra points have been missed too. You only have to go back a couple of years for that because they've only extended it, and those right. numbers are a little bit different. And the numbers have gone down. We had the numbers last year when it came to that. But just in general, when it comes to kicks, the problem is I think a lot of kicks of some – it's rare you see kicks of this magnitude missed at this sort of rate. Yeah. Um, you, know, you mentioned the Cleveland Browns, who would be undefeated probably if they didn't have some bad calls in Oakland – had a decent kicker in, against the Saints in New Orleans, and the same thing happened in Pittsburgh as well. They will be undefeated right now. Uh, Dan Bailey, the Vikings actually won yesterday, and he made a 52-yarder, but he also missed a couple as well. Mm-hmm. Bengals missed one that was a chip shot that could have cost them. So it seems like the magnitude of kicks is what's uh, causing people to believe that there's some sort of kicking epidemic. But generally speaking, kicks are not being made or missed at any more alarming of a rate than they have in the past. We're just paying attention to it more? Possibly. And That's teams possibly. are being less patient, maybe, with kickers than they were in the past? Yeah, and rightfully so. We've had so. two changes so far, right? Yeah, and you've seen people who are going going for it on fourth down. 
uh, more often this now. I don't know if that's just that's a, a change point. in philosophy just in general where teams just want to be more aggressive. The they, odds say you should go right. for it way more on fourth down. And they have for a while. Not was, what Frank Reich was doing last week in no. that situation. But. I'll actually get into that in my best win in a second. Um, but, yeah, you're right. And teams are more aggressive. And I think it just goes to your point. People are looking at analytics and stats a lot more in every sport. Mm. And they say, okay, if it's fourth and two from midfield – there's probably a better chance of you actually getting a first down or that your odds are better of getting a first down than actually stopping the team from getting and moving the ball down in the field goal range and scoring points on you. Yeah. Never uh, tell me the odds. So it's not it's not an anomalous season. The numbers generally are even out the way they should be, but it's just a lot of major kicks that have been made at this point in time that are costing teams games. And especially Green Bay, they got down big in that game and had a chance to win at the end. If he just makes a couple more of those kicks, yep. the whole game is different. Huge game for them, too, especially because the Vikings also won yesterday and the Bears are playing good football. Yep. So the thinking that going into the season it's between the Packers and the Vikings for the NFC North, not so fast. And now everyone's involved. And you look at Green Bay, that's two losses in division that are like, man, if it wasn't for a bad roughing the passer call, and if our kicker could just make, I'm not going to call him an idiot kicker. He wasn't drunk as far as I know. He's a good kicker. Yeah. He's an idiot. Who made a couple of his kicks. Those are two in-division losses right there that can end up destroying you uh, in December. I think if they had lost to the Bears in week one. Which was, they were down big. Which could have happened, which was on the verge of happening. <laughs> I'll stick with the theme of the epic fail O-Troy of the week. You're a huge embarrassing failure. Because you brought them up. My epic fail goes to the Baltimore Ravens, who lost to the Cleveland Browns and a head coach that doesn't even know the overtime rules. You would think the Browns, have, since they've been in three overtimes already this season, that Hugh Jack would be aware of the rules that once the other team has had a possession, you can win it with a field goal. But after his team did just that, and it barely made it through, it was blocked. That was a knuckler <laughs> if I've ever seen one. His players were running onto the field to celebrate, and he was trying to pull them back to the sideline <laughs> because the kick was made with two seconds left, but it was sudden death. It right. was a final. The game was over, but he was the last to figure it out. So even when the Browns win... Hugh Jack can't even enjoy it, either because he doesn't know the rules or he's still stunned that they won a game. He's just not used to it. He doesn't know what that, that feeling is like. <laughs> Congrats, though. The Browns get their first Sunday win in the Hugh Jackson era and first division win in three years, mm -hmm. which coincidentally was also in overtime against the Ravens. That's right. That's right. So and Baker was... making some big plays down the stretch, man. Looked pretty good. I just the tough defense. I was looking at Hugh Jack, and he's holding up a two. Like there's still two seconds left. I don't think it was for we have two wins now yeah, because he was trying to get the players to come back to the sideline. Let's go for two. It's like it was a field goal. It wasn't a touchdown there. Uh, Jim Harbaugh's walking over to shake your hand. The game's over. Yeah, that was the kids are playing their tail off, and the coaches are screwing it up. I guess he didn't screw it up. They still won. Yeah, they but... found a way to win the game, but that was that was very. <laughs> That's the third overtime odd. game they've been in, <laughs> which is unreal, by the way. Yeah, I feel like there's been an overtime game every single. A week it does feel like that and maybe it and now with the uh just it's just a 10 minute overtime instead yeah. of 15 minutes right. it's more prone to end up in a tie we've had two ties already this which season. is odd so when it was sudden death overtime it was 15 now that each team gets a possession there's less time yeah you think it should kind of oh kinda... we have to protect the players you know that's that's what the league cares about so much i think they care about not getting sued no they want more games yeah care about the players. <laughs> best win goes to the uh rams uh, getting the victory out there in Seattle. Now you would think, hey, the Rams are favorite. They should have won anyway. Well, that's before they lost both of their best receivers in the second quarter. 
and they're running out there with Robert Woods and basically a bunch of backups out there. And their defense, we know, has been a little bit leaky since losing their best cornerbacks on the outside with Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters both being out for a little bit. Um, Rams defense had a little bit of give to him. And look, I mean, he was Russell Wilson was extremely efficient and throwing bombs left and right. Yeah. And we know how good their defensive line is, the Rams, but I mean, you have a, a quarterback that, that can move that way. They took Seattle's best shot. In that they did. Game. They did. And people, and we talked about going forward on fourth down and what Frank Reich did last week, going forward on fourth and five. Uh, I think I, I agree with Sean McVay going with it uh, for this reason here because of the very reason that their defense was getting shredded. That entire second half. You figure if we go forward on fourth and one, we get the first down, this game is over. Take a couple of knees, the game is done. If we punt it back to Russell Wilson with, I think, one timeout left and 90 seconds to go on the clock, ain't no guarantee we're holding him out of field goal range because we haven't stopped him the entire second half anyway. I juxtapose that with what Jason Garrett did last night for the Cowboys because he's been taking a lot of heat for punting the ball. All right. He's been known for being very conservative. Okay, and that situation as well was third and two. They got one yard. It was fourth and one. Uh, you punt the ball back, assuming that your defense, which had been stout the entire night and just stopped the Houston Texans on their last drive in regulation, you'd think pinning them inside the 10-yard line, you'd be able to get another stop considering you've been stopping them the majority of the night. Yeah. Now, John Hopkins scoring game. DeAndre Hopkins makes a great Hall of Flame-type play. You can't account for something like that. Multiple spin moves. Yeah, they hit the B button, people were saying last night on the highlights <laughs> a couple of times. So I don't even, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with either of their strategy. I agree with Sean. You have to look at the tempo of a football game and understand why a call is being made. And so going forward on fourth down might be a good decision in one situation, and punting away might be a good decision in another. Yeah. And I thought both of those coaches made the right decision considering how both of those games went individually. Last week, the criticism came down so hard on Frank Reich because of the situation they were in where it still wasn't a given. They'd even have a shot at a field goal. They need another 25 yards just to get into range, and there was 20 seconds left in the game. It was fourth and five. We're not talking fourth and one either. Last night, I probably would have gone for that if I I was the Cowboys. But I'm aggressive, though. I don't hate that call either. Like you said, you look at the flow of the game, the Texans weren't moving the ball at will against them. Although, when you get in situations like that, teams often start taking more risks and they're more aggressive offensively, and all of a sudden they're not playing quite as conservative as they were. But it was just a really good play by DeAndre Hopkins, Mm -hmm. one of the best receivers in the game, one of the most underrated players in the game, too. No doubt. All right. Well, Well, yeah, my best win for the Rams holding in there, getting a road victory, by the way, when I don't think they even played their best. And they didn't have, they had a couple of their best players hurt. Your top two receivers and your top two corners basically out. That was a margin for error game where you can see they had a much greater margin for error because they are so talented. They're so good. Championship teams are able to do. You lose a key player or two and you're still able to find a way to win. Not at your best and you still pull it out on the road. Yep. My moral victory is going to the Atlanta Falcons. You win. Atlanta Falcons fans, actually, who have listened to this show and hopefully. They've heard me say they should have promoted Kyle Shanahan to head coach, and that would make them the smartest of their feathered fan friends. <laughs> the Falcons are now 1-4. They are on the verge of completely imploding on a season where many thought they were Super Bowl contenders. Last year, after they let Shanahan get away, they scored 12 points less per game on offense, and Matt Ryan's QB rating dropped almost 30 points from his MVP year. So far this year, they're scoring 25 a game. Not bad, but it's still just a couple points above league average. 
and what the 49ers offense is doing with much less talent, but they have Kyle Shanahan. Only Sark could be drunk enough to think he might be as good of an OC as Kyle Shanahan. Now, I know they have injuries on the defense. They got some bad ones, but Dan Quinn has not elevated that defense at all. They're giving up 33 points a game right now on that side of the ball. The difference is, if they still had Kyle Shanahan as the coach, with that offensive mind, they'd be winning games just by outscoring teams, especially against a defense like the Steelers, which we've talked about how bad they've been all season long, and Atlanta just put up 17 points against them yesterday. I I think uh, Atlanta's in deep trouble of course because they're in the nfc south they have the talent to get back into it but one in four is going to be tough sledding yeah echoing a lot of what you said in my biggest surprise with the falcons only scoring 17 points in this uh loss because they'd scored 31 points the last three games now the outscoring situation i don't know i mean they scored what 36 points at home last week and lost to cincinnati you can only do so much when it comes to that i think the injuries on the defense are extremely significant and you can only coach guys up so much. I mean, they went from being an up-and-coming excellent defense to losing literally the best player. They lost their two starting safeties, a starting corner, their best defensive lineman, and an all-pro linebacker are all hurt. Yeah. And three of those four or five guys are out for the entire season. That is a lot to overcome. From a defense that was still in the process of coming together, they weren't dominant by any stretch to begin with. But this offense, to your point, can't score 17 points against a Pittsburgh Steelers defense that's been this bad. Uh, this season so far. That should that's have been a, a shootout game. Yes, that's if they would have lost the game, I would have been okay with it because I would have understood a game on the road. That's fine. With Steelers injuries, were desperate. With injuries on your defense against a, an offense that can explode. Ben Roethlisberger leading the league and passing yards coming in. If you would have lost, I would have been okay. You can't score 17 points against a defense that's been playing this poorly. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I will say Atlanta's hitting a semi-salvageable part of their schedule. They have what? Uh, Tampa and the Giants coming up before they had go to Washington. But to your point, one and four, I believe there's only, what, five teams that have ever made the postseason who've started one and four? Mm. That's tough sledding. And you mentioned in a division like that with the Saints, who I think still have yet to hit their stride, but are still trudging along. Yeah. I mean, that's tough. Atlanta's going to be rooting for Washington to win tonight. Yes. It's going to be a tough yes. row to hoe. Uh, my moral defeat goes to the Kansas City Chiefs. You lose. Yes, I see they're 5-0, and oh, and they might have... The greatest quarterback since Jason Streets was paralyzed in Friday Night Lights. Every man at some point in his life. But Patrick Mahomes got put in check yesterday by the Jaguars, and the Chiefs were forced to rely upon the unraveling of Blake Bortles. And that's a cheap way to get a win. It proves nothing. Teams do it all the time. Since Blake Bortles had the best game of his career against the Patriots, the September Patriots, he's thrown three touchdowns to five interceptions, and all three of his touchdowns were garbage touchdowns, by the way. garbage. Not because they were late in the game, but just because he threw them, and he's garbage, so garbage touchdowns. You're garbage. The Jaguars have... To move on. This is it. They right. thought they could have a defense so good that it would make them Blake Bortles proof, but that's not possible in a league so hell-bent on handing the offense easy touchdowns. Unless you have Blake Bortles, who can manage to make the Chiefs defense look dominant, that pick six to the Chiefs D lineman might as well have been a handoff. That, that was, was unbelievable. Was but then the other one where he threw it off the helmet of his own <laughs> offensive lineman is like, my God, that happened to somebody else this week too. 
It's like, what is wrong with you? Isn't Bortles 6'3? Yes, how does this happen? Since he was drafted in 2014, Bortles has the most interceptions of any player, the highest interception percentage, the lowest passer rating, lowest adjusted net yards per attempt, and second lowest touchdown percentage. Is that not good? (laughs) It's bad. Okay. If I'm the Jags, I'm begging Mark Brunel to come out of retirement and finish the job the 99 Jags Jags couldn't. Not win the Super Bowl, just beat the Titans. Hey, David Garrard ain't walking through that door. <laughs> I'd try anybody. I'd, I'd try Byron Leftwich. Yeah. I don't know who that is. <laughs> On Chad a broken Henney's, leg. Is Chad Henney still their backup? Like, you're right, because he's killing them. Because honestly, defensively, I know the yards, they gave up a lot of yards, and Kareem Hunt had, had a solid day. But generally speaking, from a scoring standpoint, it was all based on Kansas City's defense against the Jags' offense. Yeah, They forced five turnovers, Casey's defense against that offense. So uh, I think, generally speaking, the, the Jacksonville defense did enough to be able to win that game. The 30 points, I mean, you mentioned two, a couple of defensive scores, bad field position. The Ma- defense can only do so much. Mahomes didn't even throw a touchdown. I know, he had two picks. <laughs> yeah. He ran for a touchdown, but he had two picks. That, he my looked moral, like yeah. he was a rookie. Right. Now, he did have some big throws, and had a good throw to Travis Kelsey. But he was my moral defeat, too, so we're in lockstep on this. Okay. He's, the Wonder Boy is human. But it didn't even matter. If that chief defense, which most people agreed was going to be trash coming into the season, and they're going to do that to Jacksonville, that's bad, man. Yeah. That, that's that's a bad omen for you Jacksonville. Know, Justin Houston's still there, but outside of that, they lost they got nothing. a lot of their Eric Berry hadn't played in a year and, what, a year and five games now? Whatever What's his it is. name went to the Rams. Yeah, they traded Marcus Peters away. Mm-hmm. Derek Johnson is gone. He's in Oakland, not doing anything for them, by the way. But that's a different story. So yeah, I mean they and he got Chris Baker getting pick sixes. It's embarrassing, Jacksonville. I did. I'll say this: they were kind of one of those candidates for me coming into the year to possibly take a step back when people thought like, oh, they might take a step forward because they snuck up on a lot of people last year. What was their was, record? Twelve and four yeah, last year. Right. It was people like this is what I said about the Rams and why the Rams weren't going to take a step back because they were aggressive in the offseason and actually mm-hmm. went out and tried to improve their team and didn't rest on what they already had. Yeah. Jacksonville just kind of said, we'll just bring back the same guys we had last season and we'll make it work. S- we'll sign Bortles to a three-year, $50 million contract. We're comfortable with that. Even when there were quarterbacks on the market that were out there, they could have tried to get Alex Smith or Case Keenum, or Kirk Cousins. If they had Kirk Cousins, they might be the favors to come out of the AFC. No doubt. No doubt. And Kirk <laughs> Cousins was damn near perfect yesterday against the Eagles. Yeah, he's so, been very good this season yeah, perfect. for the most part. All right, uh, I got one more. I got my surprise okay. of the week. Surprise, motherfucker. I was surprised that I watched this entire video of EDP getting partially nude and wiping his bum and his crotch with his Eagles beanie because he was so upset with the loss to the Minnesota Vikings yesterday. Here's Eat That P expressing all his frustration by yeah, getting getting a little naked. How you like that, my nigga, huh? Eagles beanie. Taste these taste these motherfucking balls, bitch. You like that? Little Eagles beanie. You see that ass right there, my nigga? You see that ass? You see that ass, don't you? Fuck that shit. You motherfuckers have cost me motherfucking hell. The season is fucking done. It's fucking over. It's a fucking wrap. So all you stupid, oh my God, I fucking hate Eagles fans. I swear to God, I hate you dumbass delusional motherfuckers. You motherfuckers might meet, you motherfuckers might be more delusional than fucking cowboy fans. And that's fucking saying something. Holy fucking shit, man. 
you're in for one rude ass fucking awakening when your team sucks dick. And that's not even the fuck hating. That's just keeping it the fuck real. Because that's what the fucking Eagles do. That's who they are. That's who they've always been. And that's what I sit back and I try to tell you dumbass motherfuckers here on YouTube. But I don't know shit, remember? I'm stupid as fuck. I'm a fat ass virgin, no pussy getting motherfucker. Remember that shit? I sit back, I try to school all you dumbass motherfuckers. But according to you guys, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. So you know what? It's not fuck EDP anymore. It's not nigga, fuck you. And all you dumbass, ignorant motherfucking Eagles fans. We just channeled his inner Tupac on that one. Fat ass virgin. <laughs> now I'll say this. <laughs> all he, that ass. He's not. Taste these nuts, Eagles beanie. These nuts. Really a visual I didn't <laughs> need. I'm glad you watched the video and I didn't. I'll oh, just put it down. I, I took one for the team. He's not totally wrong. Now I know. <laughs> That's not hate. Uh, I know. That's just being real when you know your team SD. They won the Super Bowl last year, and they played well in the shootout and all that. Their defense has been trash. <laughs> Specifically, their defensive backfield this year has not been good. You talk about a team earlier with the Rams not resting on their laurels. Yeah. The Eagles look like they are doing that. Big and time. it's reacclimating. Carson Wentz yeah. into the offense, who isn't quite right yet. Offensively, I could have expected some sputtering, and they rallied yesterday and made it a you know one possession game uh, towards the end. Uh, but defensively, to give up the and look, I remember Kirk Cousins is excellent. He's been a giant upgrade for Minnesota. Mm -hmm. They're phenomenal. Adam but, Thielen, yeah. the first wide receiver ever in the Super Bowl era yeah. to have a hundred plus receiving yards in each of his first right. five games. Not Jerry Rice, not didn't, Randy Moss, no one else but him. And by the way, and he's he white. He didn't sneak up on anybody. He was doing this last year. No, he's he was great. Doing, he was doing this last season too. So you have a competent quarterback who can play, you know, every single week that well with Stephon Diggs as a compliment. They still don't have Dalvin Cook healthy for them. Mm -hmm. Still can run the ball that well and still find a way to, to make some plays. But the Eagles secondary got lit up by Ryan Fitzpatrick in week two or three, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. But he that was part of the entire Fitz Magic run. They played well week one that was against it. Atlanta. And it looked like they had that championship medal where they stepped up in big moments. They stopped Atlanta again when they were fourth in goal. Right. And they threw it up to Julio Jones again in the end zone. Is he still without no a touchdowns touchdown yet. this year? Still, oh. still no touchdowns yet, oh, so which sorry. I don't know how that happens. <laughs> it seems impossible, I still think it? he might be the best wide receiver in the game. Well, even that's the crazy part. Even look in his entire career. Maybe once he's had double-digit touchdowns in a season. Right. What do you have four last year? Yeah, it's just an anomaly. Even when they had when they went to the Super Bowl that year, you know, and had that great offense and all, he only had like eight touchdowns or something. And he had one of the greatest catches of all time in that Super right. Bowl, right before everything fell apart right. for them. Uh, right. Nobody remembers this. That's what sucks about it. It was one of the best catches I've ever really seen was. in my life. Really was some great footwork, <laughs> my god. But yeah, so I, he's not totally wrong now about the S and D stuff and all that. It's I mean, over. That's season is effing over. I don't know if the season is over because I don't think your division is that great. So game over, man. Game over. So you're still going to be alive by virtue of the fact that the NFC East is not that strong. Yeah. Um, good chance Washington loses tonight. And very you're possible. Still in it. Yeah. So yeah, nobody really wants to take that division. Nah. So I mean, eight, eight wins might win the uh, NFC East. They could have a really good second half yeah. as things start to click. And to your point, that yeah, if things click for them offensively. Maybe the I mean the defense is bad. 
they're not like god awful. They're not Atlanta Falcon bad. No. You know, so I mean and, if and they have players there, guys yeah. just aren't playing well. They still have Jim Schwartz as their defensive coordinator. Yeah, you still have Fletcher Cox in the middle. You still have the kid from uh, Tennessee on the on the end of, on the defensive end out there. You have guys who can play. This looks like Super Bowl hangover. Probably. And it happens bit. to a lot of teams. And, and yeah. I think uh Carson once we end up giving him a shot in the arm. Uh, when he actually gets fully reacclimated, maybe in a couple of weeks here. But I understand why his frustration, even after going so many years without a Super Bowl championship and finally winning one, Philly fan still finds a way to get pissed off. He's been a pessimist the entire time. They win last year, and he reverts right back to hating on his team. Don't give in to hate. And I used to do some of that when I was a hardcore fan. You're the most critical of your own team. There's mm-hmm. some self-hate there. You get mad at your own fans, and that was something that he highlighted there. Philly fans might be worse than Dallas Cowboys fans because they're delusional. But Dallas Cowboys fans, they've won three playoff games uh, the last 20-something years. Right. There's a big difference. The right. Eagles have a reason to be hopeful. They didn't lose a lot of players. They didn't even lose Nick Foles going into this season. Right. Cowboy fans just have like a sense of entitlement to think that they're great and that everything America's should be owed to them. America's team. All that stuff. Oh, please. Philly fans have never been that. Speaking when, of entitlement, Reese Witherspoon yeah. there. <laughs> Whenever Philly fans are just always inherently angry, win or lose. Yeah. They've always been that way. And So I in any sport. EDP plays it up a little bit for the camera. Of course. But he's been like this beforehand. Forever. He's just a character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just hilarious. The thing is, I and don't he shot this video like it looked like Breaking Bad. He was out in the middle of nowhere. He was out in the sand dunes. I don't know where he was. I think he's the security guard for some place. I, mean, I don't know what it is. He didn't have no blue crystals with him, did he? Oh, the blue meth? Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't see any of that. But You, uh, you want to cook crystal meth? It looked like that type of setting in New Mexico. <laughs> Titans might need some blue uh, blue crystals. They were my worst loss losing to the Bills. Ooh, and maybe my expectations were set too high because this kind of circles back to the Eagles a little bit. So we talked about the Titans. I think they were my best win last week after they you know beat the Eagles and made all these plays in the passing game. That was a week after I criticized the Titans offensively for scoring no points and looking horrible offensively. And here we circle right back to it again. They're against a the, tough team to figure out. They are. And they're, maybe they're just a microcosm of the league as a whole. They're one of those teams that can come up and bite you one week and disappoint you the next. The very definition of 8-8. Eight and eight. And yep. maybe that's what the Tennessee Titans are. Now, Buffalo's defense, the first opening week against Baltimore notwithstanding, is not terrible. They have some talent defensively. But, I mean, the Titans were making that fumbling left and right. Mariota had a pass that should have been intercepted. He just basically threw a punt straight into the air that luckily flew out of bounds. Three flies up. Yeah, <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, wide open receiver uh, drops the ball in the end zone. That would have been a touchdown. It looked as inept offensively as you possibly could. They go as Mariota goes, basically. He is their entire offense. He makes it work. And when he's not playing well, even though they beat Jacksonville in that 9-6 to game, uh, you can't expect that every single week because you're not playing Blake Bortles every single week. Got to be able to run the ball, too. That's how they're built. And so Derrick Henry was okay, but nothing special. Yeah, Losing to Marco Murray, who's now sitting next to Petros in the booth, Maybe that's a bigger loss than they thought it'd be. Um, that's a pretty good job, by the way. Yeah, he's pretty solid. I just need to remember Petros' name, and he'll be okay. Oh, now you're right, Pedros. That was a great play. Oh, that's what she said. He does do that. <laughs> <laughs> he still does it. Like they're like they've done like four games. Using the Jorge Harin yeah. treatment. Adam Asmus. <laughs> four or five games together, and he's still Pedro. All right, Pedro, look at this. Tell Vote me what for you Pedro. Think. <laughs> Tell me what you think. Uh, so that was my worst loss going to a Titans team who I thought I'd turn the corner. After lighting up the Eagles, but again, 
maybe I was assuming the Eagles were better than they actually are, especially defensively, and they just give up a lot of yards to anybody they face. They actually remind me of a little bit of the Carolina Panthers in 2002. John Fox's first, first year, year that defense where Rodney Pete was their quarterback, the defense was good, and when Rodney made big plays, they won games. They ended up going 7-9, and nine, mm-hmm. coming off a 1-15 and 15 season. That's it right. was great success for the Carolina Panthers. But, yeah, it's similar. They play, they muddy up the game, yeah. and they kind of impose your will on you, and sometimes the opponent falls into that trap, and that's how they get into a close game, and if it's close, they have a chance to win. So maybe it's one of those years where they take a half step back. Maybe they miss the playoffs, and then they get some more talent in there, especially offensively for Mariota, and they turn the corner in 2019. Yeah. It could be one of those. It's kind of like one of those for the Raiders, although it feels like they're taking two whole steps back with Gruden doing his own thing and shaking things up in there. Yeah. Things did not look the good. The Raiders suck. At StubHub Center. Well, Derek, they look good in the crowd. Derek Carr threw one of the worst picks outside of Blake Bortles and that one to the defensive lineman for the Chiefs. I Ever. think Derek Carr had the second worst pick. Maybe actually it was worse because it was in the end in zone, the red zone and nobody was close Correct. to that defender. I don't know what he was looking at. And he used a time. That one of my worst excuses I ever heard here and it's like, oh, I just try so hard, you know? Doggone it. I just try so hard Ooh. and I want to make plays. So that happens to me Try sometimes. less hard, man. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what John Gruden said it, and Carl's like, yeah, you know what? That's one of my flaws. Well, it's not really a flaw, Is he but it's something that happens to just, you know, I just I just try. I want to win so bad. Everybody wants to win. Come on. Eat the ball. Just take a sack. Throw it out of bounds. Come on, Derek. I love you, but I can't do this, S, man. Is he leading the league in interceptions right now? He's on pace to end with 26 interceptions. Oh. Now, it's hard is for me this to defend because this what happened a couple years ago with the injury? He was on the rise, and since then he's had a little bit of happy feet. It There seems to be some credence to that. Could be. Where he yeah. doesn't look quite right in the pocket anymore. Sometimes he's getting rid of the ball. He's seeing ghosts, guys right. that aren't there. It's, it's That part of it seems to be a little bit better. I'll defend him yesterday because they were missing two starting offensive linemen, two pro bowlers at offensive line at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he had pressure in his face the entire day. Now, that particular play, he did not. Oh. And he was still, I think he still completed 72% of his passes yesterday. Now he was dinking and dunking. But, like, I'd rather you do that than throw picks left and right. So, I mean, if you're going to complete 72% of your passes and complete 25 passes for 22 yards, fine. Do that <laughs> instead of taking sacks. But some of these. Uh, Interceptions have been inexcusable. Now, I'll say this, too. A couple of years ago was the first time in his career he had the same offensive coordinator for two consecutive seasons. Right. Uh, they went 7-6-10 and six and 10 in 20-15. and 15. Then, they went, then they blew up and went 12-4 and in 16. He had Bill Musgrave for two consecutive seasons. Since then, he's had a different offensive coordinator every year. And the defense is still getting shredded. So if your offense is not able to keep up with the other team and the yeah. points they're putting up – it makes you force things or it makes you take bit. more chances. You feel like you have to press a little bit. So yeah. I'll give him that too. And also, I don't want to give the season a mulligan because he's in year five. You think he'd figure some things out. But we know John Gruden and it's a complicated offense. Um, maybe I'm willing to give him a little bit of a pass on some situations in this particular season. Yeah. So I'm willing to give him this year. You start effing up next year. We're right. calling him David Carr. Yeah, we may have to bring uh, <laughs> bring Rich Gannon out of retirement or something. Oh, Have him come in there and start turning pool tables over and messing things up in the locker room like he did back in 2001. Can they let him just wear the neck brace on the field? Yeah, why not? <laughs> hey, Derek Brooks and Hardy Nickerson aren't playing anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. Brooks was Brooks ended his career. Uh, all right. Coming up next, that was it for the NFL six-pack, correct? Correct. 
We are getting to geek news. We're going to talk a little bit about Mario and one of the strangest Mario games that has an anniversary coming up tomorrow. So it's timely. Geek news coming up next. This is the FNA podcast. FNA Cotton FNA. RippedApparel.com. If you like t shirts, you like wearing t shirts? EDP did not in that video. Oh, he was shirtless too? He took off his shirt at one point, just out of frustration. He wasn't wiping his bum with his shirt. Bum like Tom Green. (laughs) You might have to dispose of that shirt if you did something like that, I'd imagine. He had like multiple boobs flying around. I don't know what I was looking at. It was like total recall. Look at him, it's hard. I've been there before. I've had multiple boobage in the past. Okay. Boobies. You start sweating in places you didn't know existed. <laughs> he had some of those crevices. <laughs> I've seen things I've never seen before. And he had lost weight, but I think he's starting to put it back on. It's that stress, man. Stress the Eagles are putting him through. Yeah. Makes his, you eat. His blood pressure is way up. Can imagine. He, he's got on that, some blood thinners. Got diabetes probably working. He said the other day in a video, the Eagles are literally going to kill me. <laughs> I hope Doug Peterson wants that on his conscience. You want that on your conscience, Carson Wentz? They gave you a Super Bowl finally. Not enough. That's that's old stuff. Why are you talking about old stuff? It's not even a year old. <laughs> Go to RipTheParel.com if you like cool t-shirts. Type in the promo code FNA. You will get 10% off yeah. your purchase. They may not have an extra, 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 extra large t-shirt that would fit EDP. They got at least three X's, right? They might have a triple X. I got Petros a double X. Okay. L. And it worked. Okay, good. <laughs> it fit him just fine. Yeah, there you go. So, so that if you're a little heftier. I, I go large. because I, I, I think Adam kind of goes medium when it comes to... I go uh, large. Adam, it's always a large. I've seen Adam in here with a... Trying to... Trying to Get panned out tickets to the gun show. <laughs> no t-shirt. What did Tom Looney used to say? What it's he- not a muscle shirt. It just is when I wear it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Tom. <laughs> a great Tom Looney. That's what were you so uh, pumped for? All right. We got geek news on a Monday. Nerds. 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 What is a nerd? Lone gunman. We're playing D&D tonight. You want to come? Gangsters. What's up, guys? Beekman's World. Don't be jealous that I've been chatting online with babes all day. Just keep your power gloves off her, pal. Raise yourselves, gentlemen. One of the weirdest Mario games that kind of diverts from the rest of the series in many ways is Super Mario Bros. 2. It came out on October 9th, 1988. It was very odd. But like it feels like it was developed at Woodstock. Yeah, it's like you're having an acid trip playing that game. It's really a lot of flashing yeah. lights and weird... Acid trip vibes. Yeah. Bath salt vibes. It was Tide fun, Tide pod vibes. It was fun. <laughs> it was. Normally, video game sequels improve upon the originals, but I can't say that with this game. Not that it was bad. It was just different. It just feels so foreign yeah. and out of place compared to the rest of Mario games. Oh, we do have some Mario 2 uh, music here to accompany this. Oh, yeah, this takes me back. It's pretty memorable. It is. Right? First of all, this wasn't even supposed to be the follow-up to 1985 smash hit Super Mario Brothers. Nope. Which held the belt for best-selling video game for three decades. What happened was the original creator, Shigeru Miyamoto, was busy making The Legend of Zelda, another iconic game. So Takashi Tezuka who worked as an assistant director on Mario 1, he was promoted to director for the sequel. 
But he sensed that the Eastern audience had already mastered the run and jump platform style, so he wanted to make it harder. But then he thought the difficulty level he took it to would be impossible for the North American audience. Oh, for us for the dumb Americans out west. We're not as good as video games, I guess. Oh, I see. And so that version of Mario 2 was scrapped until it was released on Super Mario All-Stars for the SNES as the Lost Levels. Mm. That's supposed to be the original Mario 2. Interesting. They were less lost, really. It was just buried for years because they feared it would be too hard and Americans wouldn't buy the game, even though we don't back down from any challenges. Hell no. So, then in their haste to release a follow-up to their most successful game, instead of creating a brand new Mario 2 from scratch, they went an easier route. They repurposed the game known in Japan as Yumi Kojo Doki Doki Panic and made that Super Mario Brothers 2, for American audiences at least. It had four playable characters that were reskinned to Mario, Luigi, Toad, and Princess Peach, and because many concepts from the original Super Mario Brothers were already present in Doki Doki Panic, including Warp Zone, Starman, and a similar soundtrack, rebranding the game was not that much of an undertaking. So they cheaped out. A little bit. It was quicker. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason or their explanation for why the game was so strange compared to the rest of the series was that apparently the game was just a dream. The entire game <laughs> takes place in the mysterious land of Subcon, a play on the word subconscious. Ah. While the game's opening makes it seem as though Mario's dream world has come to life, if you actually sit through the end credits, you'll see Mario dreaming of his victory over Wart, the frog boss, hinting that the character has been asleep the entire time. You know, I don't think I ever beat the game. I don't, I, ever, I don't think I ever made it that far in Mario 2. Oh. Uh... I don't think I have either because oh. it was too weird. Yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. One of, if not the most popular video game villains of all time is Bowser, but he was missing from Mario 2. Right. And it wasn't necessarily because the game was adapted from Doki Doki Panic because they did swap out some of the bosses for more Mario themed ones like the crab claw grip. So some speculate they didn't use Bowser because he wasn't holding the princess hostage, obviously, this time since she became a playable character and she was the strongest character by the way yeah, picking in up mario stuff 2. throwing it at cats yeah she could fly yeah some rage like mario 2 was way ahead of the social justice gender equality movements yeah, going on exactly <laughs> wart the frog instead was the final boss in this game who originally appeared as mamu in doki doki panic remember the game they repurposed into mario 2 he has not appeared in any other Mario game since, but he's referenced in some, and he's rumored to be in the next Smash Brothers game. However, he does return in The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening for Game Boy hmm. under his original Japanese name of Mamu, and he's your ally and performs the song Frog Song of the Soul. Do you have that song? I don't. Damn it. I prefer Jeremiah was a bullfrog. That sounds like the frog song of the soul. That sounds like my theme song. I need to. I It'd love just that. be some eight bit MIDI. Yeah. Wow. It'd be it'd probably good for a cell phone. It's right? like featuring Kermit. We're all about there. I like it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I couldn't get clarity on what Mamu meant in J- Japanese, but I did see a definition for it on Urban Dictionary. Oh God! Apparently, it's derived from the phrase "that bitch is so huge she could be Shamu's mama." 
A reference to the large killer whale <laughs> at a national sea park. It's not real. Nobody says it's real. Mamu. It's real. Nobody. Here's the definition. I've never heard anybody say that before. Mamu. A large woman, huge, the fattish, the fattest, fishiest bitch you know. <laughs> and they use it in a sentence. Holy F. Did you see that G-damn Mamu that just walked into the bar? <laughs> or quick. Guard your nachos. That effing Mamu is going to eat them. I swear. Those big old women down the center. <laughs> Somebody made that up. Nobody says that. Well, they might, I might say it now. <laughs> but nobody says that. Have you seen Danny? I wonder if he effed that GDM Mamu last night. <laughs> Those big old women down there. Uh, Something tells me they didn't name him after that. Mamu. <laughs> Shamu's mama. Now... It's a frog, right? It's amphibious. There's some underwater living thing tie in with fish there. He right? also looks kind of like an alligator or a crocodile. Alligator, crocodile. But he's a frog. I, You can't tell. Some versions, he looks more like a crocodile. Let's it's weird with the artwork. Let me get my Jack Hanna on here. <laughs> now, also on Mario 2, for the first time, Luigi appeared taller than Mario. And this was... More of a distinction between the two besides the color palette from Mario 1. And very they've and kept that going ever since. Yeah, Bob, sorry to cut you off. He has a very androgynous uh, looking reptile amphibious type of thing. I really don't know what it is. Gender neutral? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's supposed to be a dude. A bad guy. Wow. Super Mario 2 is currently ranked. Did they mention, I'm sorry, did they mention why Luigi's taller than Mario? It had to do with the original character that they reskin to make into Luigi. Oh, so the original character was just naturally taller than the other character who yeah. they put in as Mario. But ever since then, they just left that's that been way. canon right. to Mario Brothers. Right. Mario, a little bit shorter and fatter. Mm. Luigi, tall and skinny. Right. Uh, Mario 2 is currently ranked as the fourth highest selling game on the NES system at the time of its release. The game ranked third in sales, reaching 10 million units sold after its October 9th, 1988 release date. So it will be 30 years old as of tomorrow. At that time, the only two games that sold more copies were Duck Hunt mm. at 28 million copies. Bastard dog. Yeah, there he is. <laughs> and the original Super Mario Bros., which sold a whopping 40 million copies, even though both those games were kind of packaged together mm -hmm. in one. They were. And there was the clay pigeons in there, too. Right. But everyone played Duck Hunt. Yeah. The second installment was later eclipsed by Super Mario Brothers 3. And that was mostly because the movie The Wizard was from promoting it. <laughs> no, it's probably the best Mario game ever. No doubt. Fly as a raccoon, you get in your own little frog suit and do your thing underwater. But even though Mario 2 was weird, it also coincided with the first issue of Nintendo Power being released. Mm -hmm. So that helped it get off the ground. It had the walkthroughs in there, right. the tips and the tricks. And it was so popular that a Mario show started shortly after with both cartoon and live action elements it was called Super Mario Super Show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and here's actually, we teased it earlier, a scene from that show, the live action portion. I thought you had the opening theme song. That was my favorite. They were rapping. <laughs> here's grown men dressed up as Mario and Luigi. See if you can pick up on the F-bomb that is dropped on this children's show that they try to cover up with the audience laughing. Hey, Paisanos, it's the Super Mario Brothers Super Show!
They're walking into the apartment. But as we always say, neatness counts. That's right, Mario. And by the way, have a little piece of spaghetti on your overalls. Luigi. And you have a little bit of spaghetti sauce on your shirt, as usual. Oh, really? Your shoes are dirty. And your socks don't match. You got Don't the brothers. The brothers. Did you hear it there, Kevin? You heard my You saw my face jerk. Yeah. He's- now we have just that isolated clip of what seems to be Mario saying, F you, Luigi. <laughs> Listen to this. F you, Luigi. One more time. F you, Luigi. F you, F Luigi. You, Luigi. <laughs> On a children's show. <laughs> so pretty like incredible. We don't know the kids are saying that. They know. From Mario 2, we get F you, Luigi. I like that. <laughs> if you follow the butterfly effect. I feel like, have we played this on the show before, the actual opening title? I don't that, think so. That? Do you have it? If I remember correctly, I'm going to see. We're doing this raw. I haven't previewed this. Okay. I remember them rapping. Any swear words beginning. coming up I in this? I don't believe so, but it's hip-hop. So maybe they did know what they were doing. It was late 80s, right. and hip-hop was just getting off the ground and becoming the most popular genre, yeah, even was- though the Grammys wouldn't acknowledge it till like five years later, finally. When I think hip-hop, I think two Italian plumbers. <laughs> let's, uh, let's take a listen. Hey, paisanos, it's the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Okay. With the Mario Brothers and plumbing's a game, oh. we're not like the others who get all the fame. And it was live action at first with the the two live characters doing this corny ass dance in the back. Adam at the horns. This is the remix. <laughs> They're walking through the cartoon. Yeah. Oh, Mario's got the flower. Yeah. He's got that fire. The fireball flower. Like this rap song has that fire. Uh, the brothers, the brothers, the brothers, the brothers. Was that Run DMC? I don't. Was I don't, that Public Enemy? Who did that? I don't think so. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, that's I had pretty like, good. I had like four VHS tapes of those Mario cartoons. Okay. Yeah. So that they was, have the volumes out there somewhere on DVD. They have to. I think they have to. It was a, it was semi popular as was everything back then that was Mario related. Yeah. They even had on Fridays for that show a link segment. Did they? It was kind of like how Eek the Cat had a little vignette yeah. with the terrible thunder lizards. Right. They brought in Link on Fridays for that show. I kind of like that. And there was the cereal yeah. that half the box was Mario and cereal. half was Zelda. Half was Zelda. I remember that. Yeah. I do remember it that. was a type of Lucky Charms marshmallow grain cereal type thing. I don't think they do that sort of uh, cross-promotion tie-in type stuff anymore. Like, I don't know if they have... Is there Powerpuff Girls cereal? Are they even popular anymore? I'm not a kid, so I don't know. What do kids watch now? There was a Sailor Moon cereal. I'd eat that. You know Okay. I'm sure you would. <laughs> It'd be a good uh, cereal. How do you know? Th- their skirts would oh, be yeah. marshmallows. <laughs> 949-478-1197 is the number. If you're a cop and you Mario want to Mario 2. 
949-478-1197. We do have a one call to get to, as a matter of fact. Tell us what your favorite Mario game was. Yeah, please do. Maybe it was Mario 2. That's kind of a deep cut. It often gets it forgotten. Yeah. You just jump right over it, Mario style, from 1 to 3, because those two games are so much more similar. And Mario 3 is the perfect, or it has all the add-ons you'd want. Mario you know, World it just improves on everything. For the Game Boy, it was probably my favorite, because I thought it was a perfect mix of being challenging without being too hard. I think that was Mario Land. It was Land, yeah. Mario was on the world was on the, the system. There were multiple. Wario premiered on Game Boy, right? He did. Okay. You know, the second version of the or the third version of that actually. He was a boss and then yeah. he had his own game. Right. Yeah. The then Mario had, has all kinds of offshoots. Yeah, pinball. I told you about Mario Golf. Yeah. Which frustrated the Mario Tennis. F out of me. <laughs> I wanted to scream. I never wanted to mess up. This is why golf is so frustrating. No I mean, I just couldn't get the ball in the hole. I Paul, wanted to, but I just couldn't do it. I mean, Tiger Woods PGA on, on from EA Sports was like a cakewalk compared to Mario Golf. <laughs> I feel like Mario Golf was, was a, like more of a, a simulation of real-life golfing than Tiger Woods' game was. Now you've had enough, bitch. After you reset it a million times? Oh, after I threw my controller through the screen. <laughs> and my mom was like, what was that? Nothing. It's supposed to be easier if it's Mario Golf. It's not supposed to be a direct simulation. You would think. <laughs> like, uh, what is it? The gold? What is the golden cup one or whatever they have? The gold cup? Oh, you mean like uh, Mario? The golden tee. Oh, right. That's the arcade yeah, version. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I had a Jack Nicholas computer version because, you know, I didn't have a console back then. Mm. I just had a loophole to play video games was playing computer games. Oh, okay. And stealing those from friends because you just load them onto your system and then give the discs back. Steal is such a strong word. I just like to say borrowed permanently. <laughs> exactly. Stop all the downloading. Let's see what we have on the phone. Hey, fellas, it's James. I'll make this as quick as I can, but it's a quick, uh, I guess, Venom review. But first off, I'm not sure if since it's geek news, but both of you guys heard that uh, Fox is rumored to be releasing a uh, PG-13 cut of Deadpool 2. Yeah. Just please, Disney and the House of Mouse, stop ruining characters like this. Uh, so basically on to Venom. This movie is a mess. Um, like I told Adam on Twitter, it's better than a few movies that have come out, but the bar's pretty low. It suffers from basically trying to, you know, be a buddy cop movie with a bunch of double entendre dick jokes for the adults and ultra violence, which they censored because of the PG-13 cut and could have, Maybe left this uh, character with some redeeming qualities, but, you know, Tom Hardy, a.k.a. Eddie Brock, they changed the origin story, and he kind of doesn't really have a great character arc. It's just this bland performance, um, and along the way, he just kind of, like you said, gets his little buddy cop in his head, but uh, the movie actually doesn't suffer so much of lack of Spider-Man, but of uh, a mess of CGI and just this nightmare cut of a storytelling once again if it would have been left at the original r-rated maybe it would have been uh, a little bit more coherent um last thing is just i don't know too much about venom uh, the only real exposure i got was the uh spider-man video games and of course the great one of the greatest uh animated series which was on fox you know the block with uh batman but maybe i feel like they could have done a better job you know like they did in the cartoon of bringing out venom i thought he was great in there but you know, teach their own. I guess if you guys got to see this, rent it or use Adam's AMC pass uh, on the old Adam Asmus scale. Three out of ten IPAs. All right, later. Wow. Now we discussed this before when I know when, when you were saying Adam how bad the movie looks and all that, and I was like, well, does it look bad because Spider Man isn't in it? Because 
You take creative license. If you have a compelling story to put around yeah. it and make it look good, you can actually make a pretty good film out of it. That's fine. The problem is I, they I'm, clearly didn't do that in uh, in James's estimation. I don't care if it's not adapted, you know, uh, as honestly as you could do it to the original source material, but. You better make it good then Correct. if you are going to make your own interpretation of how he becomes Venom and all that. And if you, you went off the TV show, you could have easily just done it where the symbiote comes from space or Mars or something like that. And they cheaped that in Spider-Man 3, too. They just had an asteroid hit the ground, and then the black... <laughs> Things started walking towards uh, yeah. Toby Maguire. Yeah, there's an entire mental thing that goes into it. Eddie Brock was getting more and more frustrated by Peter Parker exactly. working at the paper, and that's so this, I hate him. And the symbiote was drawn to hate and drawn to anger. It's and just, that's why there was there was a whole tie in there. I don't know if they did or didn't do it in the movie, but it sounds like from James they didn't do that. Tom Hardy's a great actor, and he was the perfect guy to get for Eddie Brock, and that's what's so disappointing because they got that right. But it's not in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and they can't use Spider-Man, so it's not... Even if it was done well, it would still be frustrating because, right. damn it, I wish they could use this I understand that in the MCU. Sure. So, but it I, makes it even I might more see it this week and review okay. it, even though I don't mean to... Step on your review there, no, you James. Just, no, you just threw his six-pack IPAs right back in your face. That's what, that's what you did, Adam. Sierra Nevadas? Yeah, just threw it right back at him. Bigfoots. My God. Well, that's <laughs> a little cold. depressing because I like it looked to me like it was halfway decent. But the- some of the CGI looked good, and some looked terrible. Mm. So he's saying it's all over the place. That yeah. makes sense. That tells me, I mean, his symbiote is 100% CGI. It looks like, obviously. Yeah. so It has to be, and yeah. I understand that, but we have the technology now <laughs> to make it look good enough. And in one of the scenes, the original or the second preview that came out, where he says, we are Venom or whatever, mm-hmm. when in the mask pulls back and he when sees Tom Hardy. Yeah. yeah, and then he's about to eat the guy's face. That looked good. But then some of the other action scene stuff I've been seeing lately, as you're getting more and more of the scenes now, yeah, it's it's this is not going to uh, be even as good as the TV show was on Fox. Well, the TV back show in the was 90s. great. I love that. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm biased. Just take be, your lead from that show. It's gonna be hard topping that. Yeah. All so, right. is that uh, true? Yeah, 89 percent on Rotten Tomatoes for whatever that means. That seems way too high. Yeah. <laughs> I'll bring it down a notch. Yeah. I, I might go see it this week and review it next week for Geek News. We'll see. Yeah, so this is that's the audience score. I don't know if there's two different ratings on here. It's, got it's a, not the critic score. It says t- tomato meter. Is that the critic score? I think so. That's 30%. That's more in line with what James said. Yeah. So the audience that says seems, 89. That's about right. The tomato meter gives it a 30%, All right. which is more in line with what James and probably more snobs would say. Is that our only call? That is our only call. Is that worthy of a... No. Okay. It's not. So, it was good. A movie review of a video game is not good enough to win the video game of Spider-Man when it's about Venom, who is a Spider-Man character. Sorry, James. I'll say this. No matter what happens, I will give it away on Thursday. It could end up going to this call if we right. have worse calls on Thursday I thought that don't even reach this level. I thought you were going to be more, more condescending and say, no matter what happens, James, you're still, you're still a, a good friend to me. <laughs> You're still a good caller to me, even though you're being in the FNA army. You're still a winner to me, even though you didn't win this video game. So sorry. Let's play the Coolio winner song from the Space Jam soundtrack. Yeah, now we're talking. (laughs) My my favorite Coolio song. It says a lot about Coolio and his portfolio. 
What about the slip and slide one? Yeah, no. Throw that girl on the floor or whatever that is. Yeah, I'm sure that would go over well. Throw that woman on the floor. Isn't he a gotta, spokesman gotta get for Pornhub? Yeah, I think he did a video on there, but it wasn't a porn video. No, it was like a promo They released video. a song, a music video yeah, he, on Pornhub. I don't think everybody was fully clothed in it. And he's got one dread left. Yeah, he does. It's always the saddest looking thing. <laughs> wow. So, okay, no winner. So, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, you have a chance on Thursday to win a Spider-Man video game for the PS4. That looks sweet. I'll tell you that. Yeah, that's got to be better than the Venom movie. I'd imagine so. So, 949-478-1197. Give us a call. Give us a good voicemail. That video game can be yours. It can. Or... Right, no, it's going to be. I'm okay. giving it away this Thursday. I'm not going to drag this out any further. Okay. It's happening. It's going to be a physical copy of it, so you're going to have to give me your address. I'm sorry. Well, that could be dangerous. Or your P.O. box. That might be a little bit better. <laughs> or I'll deliver it to an alley like in Ninja Turtles. With a dark coat and a hood over my face. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure no cops are around. You don't have to tip me if I'm 30 minutes late or whatever. <laughs> Uh, you I put also, anchovies on the DVD or whatever. It's a Blu-ray now I mean, they use for games. Whatever right? you're into. Yeah, PS4 uses Blu-ray. Uh, Xbox tried to use yeah. HD DVD. Didn't work out too well. I think it's 58 gigs total. It's a big game. It's a lot of space. It's all open world now. You can fly around New York. Yeah. Or sling around right. New York. Right. That was good to me. If I had a PS4, I, if I had a PS4, would I be eligible to win? F you. Um, at KFig1 is where you can find me on Twitter. You can find Adam at follow Adam A. We are at FNA Show on Twitter as well. Check that out for show updates as well as Instagram and Facebook.com slash FNA Show. Did you just say F you like Mario said to Luigi? F you, Luigi. I sure as hell did. <laughs> Could you hear that? Hey, Paisano! Oh, wrong one. <laughs> He's definitely saying F you, Luigi. There's no doubt. Luigi! <laughs> Yeah. He must have saved the princess that one time. I guess so. <laughs> swooped in on Mario. That's right. Like captured, swooped in like a captain. <laughs> Do your thing. I would too. Don't worry about it, man. It's all good. We'll be back later this week. We're back on Thursday. Thank y'all for listening. This has been another edition of the F&A Podcast. They ask me, they ask me, I tell them.